Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. The midterm elections are just months away, and the radical left, the Biden administration, its Obama 2.0 masters, and the mainstream media want to make the election a rehash of the anti-Trump campaign they executed successfully in 2020. The task at hand is capturing the narrative and making the election about policies rather than the cult of personalities. I talk with Matt Bruce on the Captain's America Third Watch about these topics. And joining us right now from the great northern part of Florida, where they might get some rain this week because we might have a storm coming our way. Oh, goody. It's Frank Salvato, UndergroundUSA.com. Good morning, sir. Mr. Captain. We'll talk about the weather a little bit later. And before we get started, a special shout-out to our new listeners, KTLR 890 and FM 103.7 in Oklahoma City, Edmund Lawton and Enid, Oklahoma. Hello and howdy to all you Sooner fans out there. We look forward to talking to you, and thanks to uh, the GM out there, Mike Miller, for carrying the program. Mike, we appreciate it, and uh, we hope we do you proud out there, Oklahoma, because we have a lot of fun on this show, and Frank is one of the reasons why, right? Hey, I've been through that uh, area of the country many times <laughs> yep. on my way back from Chicago to uh, Denton, Texas, where I went to college. Yep. I always enjoyed going through there, stopping over, getting some gas, having some great food, meeting some nice people. Oh, yeah. Great people there. I've always liked that area. Now, Donald Trump wanted a special master to review the seas records, which isn't an abnormal motion. Trump also wanted to prevent federal agents from reviewing the documents until a special master was appointed. Now, a federal judge granted a preliminary motion to do just that on Saturday. Just one little problem. The feds have already been going through the documents. Yeah, this whole thing stinks to high heaven. I mean, it, it truly does. I was listening to some people on one of the uh, the far leftist alphabet uh, television news programs say, why isn't this man in jail yet? He should be in jail. Well, the reason he's not in jail is that he did nothing wrong. If there were national politicians that should be in jail, the last name should begin with a C, not a T. The idea that you can go into an ex-president's house and just take boxes of information and start going through them, it's stunning. It's stunning. 
if we were to go into all of the documents that Barack Obama has in Chicago for his library, would we find anything with the word classified on it? Probably. Obviously, if we went to Chappaqua, but maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, we would have found a lot of stuff with classified on it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything with a classified stamp at the Clinton Library? Yep. For that matter, is there anything with a classified stamp on it at the Bush Library down at SMU? Bet there is. So this idea is ridiculous, and for it to happen just months before a major primary where the Biden administration has nothing going for it, where Democrats have nothing going for it, where, where the people are so foaming at the mouth, mad at the Democrats for what they have done you and bet. what they have failed to do. Mm-hmm. If you are not seeing this as a ploy to try and get some kind of positive press or some kind of dirt on the opposition. If you can't see it, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Well, here's something to think about. President Joe Biden would not be president now if the American people had been made aware of the scandal and the alleged censorship behind his son Hunter's laptop. That was said yesterday by Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He wouldn't be president today if the media would have been honest about everything that was brought up during the campaign. You bet. Ukraine, China, two of the most corrupt governments on the face of the planet he was intimately involved with and made money from. Right. And the media refused to look at it, refused to cover it. He was installed. He was installed by the media and and the Silicon Valley social media censorship giants. Whether you want to say the election was stolen or not, it was absolutely influenced by the media and Silicon Valley in this country. So when you're talking about an ill influence on elections, it happened here in the United States, not from overseas. Well, when we come back, we're going to see how they like us now because we've got some things to talk about. And uh, caller, hang on to the line. We're going to take a break. We're going to come right back from the break. And we've got a lot more going on here. So, Frank, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with more on the Captain's America Third Watch. You're listening to the Captain's America Third Watch, heard live right here on this station from 2 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time, overnight Monday through Saturday. Call 877-969-8600 and tell us what's on your mind. Okay, let's go to the phone line. Mary, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning. Uh, Instead of just saying the price of gas and groceries keeps going up, I think the word electricity should always be included in that category because my electric bill was smoking this month, the past two months. And I'll bet if mine was, everybody else's was as well. So you can throw in electric bills as well and also think about charging up that wonderful electric vehicle sitting in your garage. (laughs) Uh, the, The biggest thing I wanted to say is I was fortunate enough to see Tucker Carlson's interview with Bobolinsky, who was with Biden, and that was before the election. I was lucky enough to see that on Fox News, but I don't know how many other people saw it, because a lot of people I know just don't watch Fox News. Thank oh, you. Okay, thank you, Mary. Uh, comment, Frank? I want to go back to the first point that she made. It's not that the prices are going up, it's that the worth of our dollar is going down. That's right. The worth of things, when the the prices go up, when beef goes up, when electricity goes up, when gasoline goes up, that means the worth of our dollar is going down. And that has to do with the mismanagement of the dollar by the Federal Reserve and the overspending by the federal government. Yep. 
you work just as hard every hour that you go to work. It's what you're getting paid is being valued less because the dollar is, is shrinking in its worth. We need to move away from what the mainstream media is saying. Oh, prices are going up. Not really. Mm-hmm. It's that the value of your dollar is going down. It takes more dollars to buy the same thing now. Mm-hmm. It's the dollar that's shrinking. It's not the commodity that's getting more expensive. Mm-hmm. As for Fox, yeah, I, I don't watch them anymore ever since the the Murdoch boys took over and they, they decided to put the Kardashians every third story on the front page of foxnews.com. I find it not worth my time. <laughs> there are certain interviews that are good, but anything about Hunter Biden if it was good, it was done by 90 interviews from the other side. Mm-hmm. And that's because we have an irresponsible press that is actually part of the elitist class of this country. Yep, They don't report on, on, the, on the elites and the power brokers anymore. They've taken their seat at the power mm-hmm. broker table, and mm-hmm. they fashion the narratives. Now, Frank, a USA Today Ipsos poll found in a recent poll that 59% of Republicans want Trump as their nominee in 2024, compared to 41% who want someone else representing the party. Now, I'm going to add to this, conversely, the Democrats, because 44% of the Democrat respondents in the same poll said President Joe Biden deserves re-election, while 56% said it's time for a change regarding who represents them in 2024. So let me do this the way I think I should do it. Minus 14% to the negative side, uh, or, or if you want to do it this way, plus 14 negatives on uh, Democrat uh, Biden. And on, uh, let's see here, on, on Trump, uh, uh, you can't go negatives because it's positive. Plus 18 positives. Is that the, the right way to figure that? or No, I, I don't put much stock in polls, especially this far out. But you got to wonder about that 44% that thinks Biden should run again. Mm-hmm. What the hell is that? I don't know. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Well, they must be all the people that got the uh, the free money. All the people who got the free money who are sewer have student loans, mm-hmm. which is an abomination, by the way. Mm-hmm. A, a blatant redistribution of wealth, mm-hmm. not to the poor this time, but from the working class to the elite class, mm-hmm. because the overwhelming majority of the people taking advantage of the loan forgiveness are in graduate degree programs. They can pay their own damn loans off. I want to get back to the polling thing. Everybody's talking about, will it be Trump? Will it be Trump? If Trump runs again, if Trump does this, if Trump, we've got to stop talking about the man. And we must start talking about the policies. Correct. The Democrats want to make this election about Trump again, and we're falling for it. Mm-hmm. Stop talking about Donald Trump and start talking about the policies that he brought to the White House. You bet. That's what's going to convince people to vote Republican. If you start talking orange man again, you galvanize the left. Yep. You give them reason to go to the polls. Right now, they won't show up to the polls mm-hmm. because they don't have a good motivation. You make Trump this election instead of the policies, they will all show up back to the polls. It is a blunder beyond anything that I can think of to make this about Trump and not about the policies that he brought to the White House. Okay, now I got something that I didn't even know was around, but there's there's something called the financial satisfaction score, which judged President Trump, former President Trump, at the same time in his career as Joe Biden is right now. Wait till you hear this. In 2018, former President Trump was at plus 21% when it came 
to your finances and your money and how things were going in general, plus 21%. Joe Biden today sits at minus 1%, and I'm surprised it's that high. Now, let's, let's couch this the way it should be couched. The policies that Donald Trump brought to the White House resulted in a positive rating of over 20%. Yep. The policies that Joe Biden brought to the White House have resulted in a rating of minus 1%. Yep. It's got to be about the policies. Yep. I can't stress that enough. The media is going to bend over backwards to make this about Donald Trump again. And if they do, we're in trouble because the left will galvanize. Mm -hmm. They will come together and it will motivate them to go to the polls. Mm -hmm. You start talking about the policies Trump had in place. People can't argue with that because prosperity was everywhere. Yeah. ownership was up. Unemployment was down. Your 401k was up. Stock market was doing well. Mm hmm. All right, well, around the world. here comes the music, my friend, and I just want to tell everybody, don't forget, eight, about 8.30 this morning, the NASA moon rocket is up for uh, schedule to, to go to the moon. So look to the sky, look to the east, and you'll see it if you're down here in Florida. Frank, I will talk to you on Friday. Stay God bless America, everybody. I'll be right back with a special guest in the house. We'll tell you who it is when we come back. This is Kyle Warren. Stay tuned. There's more of the Captain's America Third Watch coming up right after this short break. He calls democracy messy, props up the Chinese Communist Party, praises Xi and his regime, known for violent oppression, invests in Chinese military companies. A defector? No. It's BlackRock CEO Larry Fink the CEO of a major American company who's gone all in on China. Can he be more anti-American? Larry Fink, BlackRock. Taking your money, betting on China. Message paid for by Consumers Research, an independent educational 501c3 nonprofit organization. Log on to www.consumerresearch.org to learn more. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi. I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. This segment, I guest on the Truth to Ponder program with Bob Bierman, broadcast beamed around the world on shortwave and through online and terrestrial channels. We talk about both the cult of personality's malady and things we can do to get back to constitutionality. My guest today on the program is Frank Silvato, and he's a prolific writer. There's a lot I, I've read about him. We've had him on the program before. It's been a while. But Frank, is he's been on the Fox News channel. He's been writing for a number of years. He's He has a podcast called Underground USA on iHeart, uh, Pandora, Spotify, just like this program. 
He appears two times a week on another radio program, and I'm going to try to get him on the program more often. He has a lot to say. His name is Frank Silvato, and he wrote a piece the other day that really caught my attention about Liz Cheney and the rhino class of Republicans. And I think that these phony conservatives need to be, shall we say, exposed. And now you have people like Liz Cheney believing that they can run for president. Liz decided to be the ultimate rhino. She's on that January 6th fraudulent committee for insurrection. And she believed that she hooked her wagon to the, to the insurrection bandwagon that she'd somehow become a household word and America would love her and they would think that she's going to be someone that can save this country. So, Frank, as I welcome you to the program today, what kind of odds would you give Liz Cheney in running for president? Oh, I I think they're non-existent. I I think Liz Cheney's expectations for where her political career are going are, are they're pie in the sky. She's completely alienated a gigantic chunk of the Republican base. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, and we're learning a lot more, I think. Let's all go back in time to 2001 and and even the year 2000 during the presidential race and when all of a sudden it's announced that uh, Dick Cheney is going to be the, the vice president, which... Kind of surprised people considering Dick Cheney's issues with his heart. And here he is still with Mm -hmm. us all these years later. But, um, you know, Dick Cheney, I think, was really the guy that ran the White House during those years. Well, he certainly he certainly led the uh, uh, led the corridor that was handling the war on terror, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, We when you look at his background, he was he was pretty much grown for that moment in time. and to his degree of ruthlessness. Yeah. Uh, to that extent, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You, we saw that after Liz Cheney made her decision that she was going to take this avenue, there was no deviating her from her self-destruction on this. One of the things that surprised me, and, and correct me where I'm wrong, Liz Cheney seems to have managed to make a lot of money during the time she's been in Congress. <laughs> How can that be? I thought she I was a servant of the people. I, I, very, very few people who find themselves elected to federal office, whether it's in the House or the Senate, end up leaving in the same economic condition in which they arrived. I mean, we look at Joe Biden, for example. Here's a guy that never really had a job except for about a year and a half or maybe two, and one time in an interview he did a number of years ago when he was talking to some government group, he said, yeah, I worked for two years in the enemy camp. That's how he thinks about (laughs) non-government people. That was his exact words. Yeah, I worked for two years in the enemy camp. Well, that, that, that explains a lot of the reason... A lot of the reason for a lot of his decisions. It does. When, when you look at the, at the globalist type of, of embrace that he has always lived in, whether it's um, dealings in Ukraine or dealings with China or mm-hmm. his admiration for the World Economic Forum. That's right. Um, you know, this is, this is where he, he is. The yeah. people, just like progressives all the way back at the beginning of, of the century, well, the, the progressives have a disdain for the average man. 
They do. And and look at how much money Joe Biden made on a senator's salary. It's just amazing how well he just was able to save money and buy all those houses. Hey, 10 percent for the big guy. That's right. And and they're worrying about uh, documents from President Trump, uh, which he had every right, if you really look at it under the law to take because he was the one that could classify him and unclassify him. I mean, since since the days of, you know, George W. Bush, that was the prerogative of the president leaving what to say about those documents. The red flag in in the entire Mar-a-Lago thing is you had FBI agents on the ground in June inside that room with those documents. Mm -hmm. They had access to those documents. They were reading those documents. If there was anything in there that would have been so highly classified Mm -hmm. that they that it needed to remain classified for national security, they would have called in people right then and there, not waited two months to to perform a raid when it was politically expeditious to do well the timing the timing is is suspect to me you know you you got in my opinion the democrats are doing everything they can twofold number one they need to eliminate trump from even running in 2020 uh 2024 and also the optics this this is great to to dispirit the republican party and and to, to have this raid at this time with this guy at the same time, while somehow magically gas prices are just coming down a little bit and and let's get ready. we're going to help you on some of that student debt and here. So for 10 grand, we're going to buy your vote. What other optics are they playing to try to dispirit the Republicans in this uh, fall campaign? Well, you've got the you've got their sycophant media that is that is just jamming this. It's going to be a red wave mm-hmm. down our throats so that they can suppress voter turnout on the right when the with the right has a has a intrinsic disease within them if they think they're going to win by a large margin they tend to not show up at the polls mm-hmm. people on the left always show up at the polls regardless of whether they think there's a landslide coming or not hey they may come there two or three times if they can yeah, especially in places like Chicago and New York. Hey, look, but, you know, you know, granddaddy who's been dead for 10 years will come out to vote for this one. I mean, no, that's how it is in Chicago. There are some Chicagoans who have voted for over 200 years. Yeah. Um, but you, you've got a you've got a complicit mainstream media who's trying to push this. There's going to be such a red wave. It's just going to be a slaughter. We saw what happened in Florida turnout. Mm hmm. In the, in the primaries that just happened on Tuesday, right, where we were expecting gigantic amounts of voter turnout on the right because of the disdain that that uh, constitution loving people have for what's going on, the progressive movement trying to encroach, mm-hmm. and we had in a lot of hardcore red areas very little. You know, the voter turnout wasn't all that; it was average. We can't have that. So that's something, you know, you said, what are they going to be rolling out for for the midterm November and then 2024? They're going to keep thumping on this red wave to try Mm -hmm. and get people to be complacent on the right. We can't afford that. And then again, then you get people like Mitch McConnell, who, you know, is already thrown in the towel. I I have such a high level of dislike for Mitch McConnell. I don't mm-hmm. know where to begin. Same um, here. There's no there is no reason why the sea change that we should see in the House couldn't be replicated in the Senate. 
but but he's using his Senate PAC fund to force people on his side of the aisle to the knee. And, and I, and I find it. I find that despicable. He's a power junkie. I mean, he, I, he, look, I think my opinion is I think that McConnell likes being the minority leader, less responsibility, less you know, aggravation, less trouble to deal with. I mean, if things go wrong, blame the other guy. You can just, it's real easy when you're the minority leader. Let's add that mix that he makes a lot of money off the status quo remaining the same. Absolutely. When your wife is Elaine Chow Mm -hmm. and the Chow family is the number one shipping magnet family in communist China, Mm -hmm. you begin to understand why we'll talk powerful against China. We'll take a stand about we can't allow them to do this and we've got to change that. But nothing ever changes the only thing he ever seems to find time to do is to talk on c-span in an empty chamber making empty promises nobody nobody can can confront him or debate him on his points if he's talking at 2 30 in the morning Mm -hmm. or when no one else is there they're all out to lunch and then he makes his little speech and then and then it's pushed out the same and and i i know this is a horrible thing to say because it's 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 focusing on someone's physical malady Mm -hmm. but when you have a debating floor like the u.s senate the greatest Mm -hmm. debating floor since the senate in rome you and you are a party leader Mm -hmm. you should be a a linguistical genius absolutely you should be able to clearly communicate your thoughts and articulate yes this guy has no business being the minority leader or the majority leader. Might be a good whip, but he's he shouldn't be the face of the Republican Party in the Senate. You know, I go back to 2016, the election, then, of course, in January of 2017, when we when conservatives theoretically, and I say that carefully, theoretically had the House, the Senate and the presidency. What did we do with that great opportunity? Nothing. Nothing. Who was in charge of the House at that time? Yeah, nothing. Paul Ryan. Yeah, we're we're talking about people who who found it more uh, more important to to shore up the cement foundation around what is rather than institute reforms that are sorely needed. This, this all comes back to whether you get into the club or not. Mm-hmm. Think about you the know, lot. Yeah. Look, look at some of the people in the Senate and the House back, you know, all those years from starting in 2010 when you had the Tea Party movement. We're going to get rid of Obamacare. You watch. We're going to get rid of Obamacare. And then we lost the House and the Senate and we never really gained it back. And we knew that when we did get it back, it would be vetoed. So... They, you know, every so many months they would pass legislation to repeal Obamacare and it would get through the House and the Senate and it would be vetoed. And it would, you know, they made it's because they weren't serious about repealing Obamacare. They did. And then when we finally had the chance, what happened? It went down in the Senate. You know, it's a we're they're not they're not predisposed to making the radical reformative change that needs to happen at the federal level. They like the game. 
the the, the money brokers uh, from K Street and from the special interest groups across the country and mm-hmm. around the world, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. They keep filling the pockets of these people, so they will come out in front of the cameras and they will tell you how change is needed. And I'm putting forth this bill, and then they make sure that there are amendments on that bill that will make that bill die on the floor or die in committee. They they sound good, but they never want the status quo to change. That's why expecting reform as a top down type of initiative mm-hmm. is is a fool's thought. It has to come from it has to be a bottom up type of thing. And I have been talking a lot lately about nullification. The state legislatures and the state governors, there's already precedent for it. California and Illinois and New York have already set this precedent for nullification and saying we're sanctuary states for immigration. Well, if federal law can be nullified for that, then we can say unfunded government mandates and overreach by the federal government into states that that transgress the 10th Amendment. They should be nullified, too, because the Constitution mandates it. And most people don't understand. When you look at today's real quick before I forget, when you look at today's Republican Party, the so-called conservative party, and you look at the election upcoming in November, what is your gut reaction telling you? That it's going to be closer than it needs to be. That, it, that it's going to be closer than it needs to be. We should be just steamrolling Washington, D.C. in November and then in November 2024. And granted, we've got, you know, there's a, a lot of money and the mainstream media in opposition but the people are so upset with what has been going on that shouldn't really enter into it the right is so incredibly poor in articulating what people any kind of a platform people can get behind that's that's the achilles heel mm-hmm. so our that this elections are they're going to be closer than they should be the, this, the giant, we're going to take it by 20 seats, by 50 seats, that's all pipe dream stuff as far as hey, we're going to take the majority in the House. Mm-hmm. The Senate is a coin flip in the air because of Mitch McConnell. Absolutely. You know, but it, it doesn't need to be close if the if our if if the right side of the aisle, if people who are constitution loving and people who identify as cons, as conservative. And I'm not using the identify in the in the mm-hmm. woke thing. I'm just using the word literally. Looking at a state like Pennsylvania, uh, where you've got the right now, technically, I think some of the pundits are saying that what Fetterman has got a uh, may probably win this thing. Maybe he won't. I mean, who knows? That's the media talking. But a state like outside of outside of you know Philadelphia, outside of a few areas in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is not that woke of a state in the middle of the state. It, it just isn't. And are the voters just being suppressed where they just don't go out and just give up and let, you know, the, the Democrats run that state because of Philadelphia? Well, look what look what happened during the 2020 election. You had the legislature in Pennsylvania saying, whoa, you can't do this. The Constitution says that that the legislatures in the states make the electoral law, yet the executive branch in in Pennsylvania said, you know what, but this is an emergency. 
Therefore, we're going to do it this way. It was unconstitutional all the way around. Mm -hmm. The legislature in Pennsylvania said, no, no, no. Texas tried to help Pennsylvania by bringing suit in front of the Supreme Court saying they write this is letter of the law, the letter of the Constitution. It's Mm -hmm. blatant as day right here. They can't do this. And it's disenfranchising, disenfranchising our votes. The Supreme Court failed there. So the people of Pennsylvania, the the true people who represent the people of Pennsylvania in the legislature, they stood up and said, no, it was the controlling elite in the executive branch that gets elected because of their catering to the urban demographic Mm -hmm. that hijacked the process unconstitutionally. You know, you can argue all day long about the 2020 election. It's in the books. So it's got to be a theoretical argument. But there were things that were dramatically wrong there when it came to how several states usurped the Constitution to gerrymander election law under the guise of it being emergency because of COVID. That's right. And you saw that in states like Wisconsin and Michigan, Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, Georgia to a degree as well. You know, the the Atlanta metro area is about as cobalt blue as it gets. I mean, it's just what's happened in a big city it just goes in those directions unfortunately you know i I can remember well 20 years ago over 20 years ago now the 2000 election when when florida was highly embarrassed because of the way they conducted the election Mm -hmm. notice how you don't seem to have the issues there like we did 20 some odd years ago well, and, that's because we had we had people that came in that said we're never going to be embarrassed like that again. Mm-hmm. They reformed the system and they reformed it well. As a matter of fact, Florida is one of the states in in the union mm-hmm. that has almost a flawless election process. And other states so, like Georgia need look. What really angered me about Georgia? I mean, I have some deep ties to that state and have since the early nineteen seventies. My late wife was from Georgia. I lived in Georgia, worked in Atlanta, worked in the mountains. I was all over. And and to see what has happened to that state, it, it just it just angers me. And then to see the kind of rhinos that they end up putting into office in that state, you know, you get people like Rassensberger, he's the Secretary of State. That clown is using his personal Gmail account to talk to Dominion Voting. I mean, you know, that's not even legal, but nothing gets done. It's not going to happen. You got people like Kemp, who has got a lot of interest in getting more business from China. So you you know where he stands. So I feel sorry for the state that the what I call the Republicans from Roswell, which are the wealthy, along with the Democrats in Atlanta, they play this game to be Democrat in the city of Atlanta and Rhino in the rest of the state. And everybody in the rural areas just has to go along for the ride. And and this is I touch on this in, in the latest piece I have about progressivism. Um, the progressives, the the most aggressive progressives are of the elitist class, the upper, upper middle class uh demographic the same demographic that pushed prohibition onto the country because they said we know what's best for you you're too stupid to understand what's good for you they prey on the urban demographic to bolster their numbers so what you just said about you've got 
the elite GOP over here in a, in an upper middle mm-hmm. class, upper class neighborhood. And then you've got the urban issue of, of Atlanta. Exactly. They meld together. That's why the choice between Republican and Democrat is kind of a false flag choice. It's got to be, do you want to continue down the road to the progressive end game, which is ceding sovereignty to the World Economic Forum? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to take up the mantle of individualism again and say, we've got to get back to the Bill of Rights? How do you if, if there's a Republican who is wishy washy on that, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't have our support. We have to find someone who believes that the rules of the game are the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we have to replace them with people like that. How do we find out? Status quo can't stand. Yeah, I know. I mean, and and right now we learned uh, back in, you know, 2016 when, when we finally we had the House and the Senate for a couple of years, and then we had the presidency. And within two years, it's back. The gavel's back in the hands of Nancy Pelosi mm-hmm. and nothing gets done. It makes you're right. It keeps the status quo, the status quo. Yeah, we nothing, can't, you that, can't change that, anything that must change. And then, like I said earlier, that change is never going to come from a top down solution because those with power never seed it. There, there isn't any, you know, very seldom do you have someone get elected who says, you know what? I made a pledge to term limit myself and I'm going to do it. They don't it's do it. rare very. because there's too much power and power is addictive. So expecting the federally elected class to come up with, OK, we're going to pass term limits or OK, we're going to balance the budget. OK, we're not going to do deficit spending. That's you're smoking something that's legal in Colorado. It's got to be a bottom-up solution that forces the federal government to its knees where it belongs because that's the way the framers set everything up. The federal government was not supposed to have the heaviest footprint in our life where government's No, they concerned. were supposed to be small. Yes. So uh, I, I, nullification is something that I they talk about all the time. The other thing that is serious to consider, and I support it, is a convention of states. I do, too. You know, that's the only way we're going to get term limits. We we need to also repeal the 16th and 17th Amendment and put the Senate back in the hands of the state legislatures where it started. Absolutely. And that's that's something that I write about in the current piece as well. The the biggest coup the progressives ever pulled off, and it was very early in their in their nascent stage coming out of Woodrow Wilson's administration, Mm -hmm. was the passage of the The worst administration this country ever had that caused the most serious damage we're still paying for today. People need to understand this is this is something that is just it's the truth and the media likes to roll its eyes at it but it's something we need to understand and if people don't believe what i'm about to say they need need to do some some historical reading from first source stuff we've had fascist regimes in the united states before wilson brought it here roosevelt roosevelt was a fascist regime Mussolini even wrote letters to Roosevelt congratulating him on his unique kind of fascism. And Roosevelt responded by calling him an amicable chap before World War II. So we've had fascist governments in the United States before, and they've done nothing but wreak havoc on freedom. And, you know, when you think about it, had we not gotten involved in World War I, 
under guess who? <laughs> I mean, Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. There would never have been a World War II. We yeah. caused it by, you know, having this, quote, victory and destroying Germany and destroying the economics to create the the kind of thing that could rise, you know, up out of the ashes to come back to haunt us. Oh, like like Afghanistan? Yeah. Uh-huh. Seems that seems that because we don't teach contemporary American history in schools, that we doom ourselves to repeat the mistakes of the past. Our schools, and this is even going back to when I was in junior high school and high school, U.S. history classes, because of the length of the school year, necessarily ended right about approaching the industrial age. It was reconstruction, and then it was June and schools out again. Pretty much. I remember it. You're, you're correct. And we never, look, I never really understood, and I don't think I ever knew in high school, I knew several years later, about the change of no longer having the the Senate of the United States. This was the firewall to protect mm-hmm. the states. The you know this this body of these, you know, two senators per state was a firewall to make sure the federal government couldn't get huge and overblown and monstrous in size. And once you made it a vote of the people, then you can buy the people a lot easier than you can buy the state governments. If you if you if someone said you can do two things right now to try to jerk the country back onto the right track towards being within the boundaries of the Constitution, the very first one would be the repeal of the 17th Amendment. But the second one would be that the Supreme Court revisits the three decisions that allowed the Commerce Clause to allow the federal government to touch every aspect of our lives. And then get rid of the 16th Amendment. They can't take the money out of your income. Yeah, it's uh, we shouldn't do it. Our, our tax system is so incredibly uh, vulnerable to corruption because of how legislatures can carve things out. We just saw that with the with the laughable, laughably titled Inflation Reduction Act, which does nothing toward helping inflation at all. No, it was a half. It was a half a trillion dollar gift in climate because he had to be able to give it give give that to his radically left base. Otherwise, it would have been a total slaughter in November. So just like Obamacare, they took this thing that they couldn't pass through Congress legitimately and tucked it into something else with a mm-hmm. cool title and said, we're, we're reducing we're reducing inflation. But did nothing of the kind. Okay. You know, I got a question for you. And we know a bunch of other states will probably follow suit. About 11 of them, they think California this this week has announced this past week. That by 2035, we're getting rid of all fossil fuel vehicles, electric only, in, you know, basically 12 years. And it it sounds great for, you know, I mean, I guess it sounds great to them and the greenies and those that believe, you know, in worshiping Mother Earth and and that actually believe in this climate fraud. And and so how is that going to pan out? It's not. And and they'll end up pushing pushing it back and pushing it down the road and they'll fail to meet deadlines just like the bullet train that's supposed to go from LA to San Francisco. That's that's become a cash cow for the for the politically connected. Mm-hmm. If if everybody in California just suddenly today switched to electric vehicles and plugged in, they would crash the grid and it would be it would be destroyed. 
It would be like an EMP hit the entire state of California. It would take days to get the power back up, and don't you dare plug a car in. I mean, this is the problem. There, there, there is no way in 12 years you're going to build that kind of massive infrastructure. No. How many years does it take to get one nuclear power plant online? About 20. So you can't they, even build a power plant. They've had rolling blackouts for as long as I can remember because they don't have enough juice for the grid to actually sustain the load that it's pulling today without electric cars. So when you add this into it, and I don't care if you've got solar on on every head of cattle that's out there in Mm -hmm. the fields, you're not going to be able to cover that. I am not against renewable and sustainable energy. Either am I. But but I am convinced, and all, all of the evidence points to the fact that it's not ready yet. The technology isn't ready for this massive use yet. Absolutely. You know, there was a, a car not too long ago, and I want to I think want to say go back to like maybe 2008. I uh, can't remember who was putting it out, but it was a hybrid of electric and gas, mm-hmm. and it was getting great mileage, and you could charge it if you wanted to. If you didn't want to, it was it was a, this perfect symbiotic type of thing that got you 600, 600 miles to a tank. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it just went away because all electric cars had to be that had to be all electric. Now we, we can have a, a symbiotic relationship with fossil fuels and, and new sustainable energy schemes where they complement each other to not only reduce what the left is concerned about, yeah. but maintain the financial told efficiency that the right is you know i'm going to give i'm going to give you some so that numbers. we could all have everything together i'm going to give you some real quick numbers here the atmosphere of this world and this planet 78 percent is nitrogen in our atmosphere 21 percent is oxygen that remaining one percent is where you find all your co2 and everything else and and you have everybody worrying about what's in that one percent and truthfully, at one time, the Earth had a much higher level of CO2. It, it had to for all the sustaining of the vegetation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the, everybody thinks that we're going to choke from CO2. It is still way under 1% of the atmosphere. And they well, want to reduce uh, nitrogen, uh, which naturally is 78%. That'll kill our plant life. Add to that that we need CO2 for for vegetation. We need it. Plants need it. Plants create the two two nutrients they need. The World Economic Forum is demanding we reduce. Look what happened with the Dutch farmers. I mean, they want to reduce nitrogen fertilizer like it's a bad thing. And the reason behind that is something that they lay out plain and simple in the great reset but no one gets because they're not reading about it mm-hmm. the great reset says you know what population control isn't so bad make them hungry make, make them, them die. hungry you you listen to some speeches that bill gates has given that george soros has given and absolutely listen to the speeches and, and the and read the readings of klaus schwab their population control people going back to what eugenics from the beginning of the progressive movement at woodrow wilson's feet they're they're just as bloodthirsty about population control as margaret sanger was absolutely 
So that's what they're moving forward on this. All the stuff about we have to have, uh, you shouldn't eat meat. Mm-hmm. Climate must be must be dealt with, and that means we have to reduce greenhouse gases. Well, you know, most of the heat from greenhouse gases comes from water evaporation. The planet's seventy five percent water. I don't think you're going to affect that very much. And even then, that helps us. You think about more farmable land when it when it comes to just one degree that rises and we're cyclical anybody who doesn't understand that we're climate our climate is cyclical go back to the back 1930s up. look at the yeah. 1930s compare it's we're looking like the 1930s again yeah and we've had we look we've had many ice ages long ice ages and truthfully the world was warmer before the big ice age much warmer mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, we're supposed to believe somehow that the temperature in you know 19 uh, 51 is the perfect temperature we need to be at for the rest of eternity. And it doesn't make any sense. No, it, it doesn't. And remember, you know, back in the 70s, I remember when the ecology movement was was launched. Mm-hmm. And it was about, well, we we need to reduce pollution. I'm, I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our grade school classes went out and, and, and fished garbage out of the local creeks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And we felt good about it. And it, it, helped us say hey man don't litter it's it's rude you, you you could find some place to actually put your garbage but that evolved into there's going to be an ice age yeah i know i remember that before we get to our break coming up i'm going to give you an opportunity to share with my audience the podcast and the material you produce you can find our writings. I, I started out as a writer, but I'm now into podcasting because you need to touch people on a bunch of different uh, communication lines if you want them to hear you today. Uh, you can find everything over at undergroundusa.com. Frank, I want to thank you for being on the program today. And we will definitely have you back on very soon. And if you enjoyed what Frank had to say, let me know. Let me know what you think about this program. Maybe some of the things. Please like the episode on the platform you're listening to us on. Leave a comment if it lets you and share us with your friends and family. Our influence grows when you share our podcast. And don't forget to sign up for our Substack, which comes directly to you, subverting the interference of the Internet gatekeepers and social media censors. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group. Hey, this is Judson Carroll with the Southern Appalachian Herbs Podcast. One thing Frank always reminds me to mention is that my books and my podcasts are not limited to my region of the Southern Appalachian Mountains. I'm a master herbalist with a working knowledge of hundreds of herbs that are available all around you no matter where you live and keep your family in optimal health. I'm now offering a free newsletter through Substack. Please find me on Substack at Judson Carroll Master Herbalist or JudsonCarroll.com and I look forward to communicating with you in the future. Thanks.